It is fun. It is our first time back together in like, uh, I'd say four weeks. It would have been months, right? Because yeah, we only did it, the podcast once a month. Yeah, it's been uh, like, I think, four months since we did the original episode together. No, it hasn't. Has it really? Yeah, I think it was been... like end of February. So it's been a little bit. Wow. Um, how are you feeling? You know what? I'm excited. We're back together. Okay. It's a reunion tour of sorts. I am. I mean, um, I'm knackered. I feel awful. I've I've been down with food. Well, essentially food poisoning all week. That that's terrible. But you know what the good yeah. news is? What's that? We're doing a podcast together. <laughs> <laughs> if I could not be talking to you right now, I would not be talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Rory, I'm the editor of One Ahead. I'm Nathan, I'm One Ahead's content producer. On this month's show. How a magician confronted a real-life pirate. How to cast spectators for street magic TV shows. Darren Brown has a new book and Dynamo has a new TV show. How magicians changed baseball forever. And why you need to be posting on social media. I didn't realize how unwell I was until we just did that and I could like... (laughs) I could feel it, I could feel it. (laughs) Was like the difference between my tone and your tone, um, and it's like we're like we're basically hitting a tennis ball back and forth, and you're being like, "I'm Nathan, I'm one ahead," and it's like perfect shot back at me, and then I'm there like, "I'm Rory, I'm one and pop the ball just makes it over the net. <laughs> look, look, I've seen tennis games won like that, so we're good. It's not your fault. I've been oh up since four a.m. Like I've I'm I'm wide awake. Oh, congratulations. All right, then. So what's our first magic story this month? Uh, how I confronted the magician who pirated my magic product. Uh, Nathan, you wrote a brilliant joke for this. <laughs> and you just yeah, rolled those I, over. And right before we started recording, I said, you know, it might need to be less of a scripted show today because I'm not 100%. And you said, okay, so long as I can do this one joke over it. And, and you didn't do it. What's going on? <laughs> I forgot. That's not a great answer. But the joke was Jack Sparrow. No, no, no. We can, we can, we can do this a second time. No one okay. will notice. No one, no one will know. Don't just be like, oh, that's weird. Um, yeah. So Nathan, what's our uh, what's our first story today? Jack Sparrow. So piracy. Hey, hey, but I think we do not have sound, money for sound, uh, sound effects. But you know, we'll make it. Oh my god! So this How story I came confronted. from us. How I confronted the magician who pirated my magic product. What's it about, Nathan? Go. So, w- William O'Connell, uh, he tracked down the magician who uh, shared a copy of a trick that he put out there. And it started off with him Googling it, seeing that someone had had it. He actually went to the pirate site, bought it for himself, was able to do some like hacking of the PDF to see whose name was listed on it. And then he asked the person, hey, what did, what did you do? And he was like, oh, I, I gave it to a friend of mine. I didn't know how it got onto the site. And now it's all over the web. And this happens all the time to magicians who ever publish tricks. And William goes into brilliant detail on like just how this type of piracy is so invasive in our community um, with just one of his tricks that he put out there. So uh, he did a lot of research and it's a great article. And yeah, it was, it, it was kind of like reading a spy thriller a little bit with how much detail he went into about like how many layers down he had to go to just try to get some answers. Yeah. I think the moral of the story is don't 
pirate a tech product because someone who makes tech products can <laughs> probably track you down. Like, yeah, pirate a like, book that'll be fun. Pir- pirate a book, especially like from one of the old guys. They're not gonna, they're not yeah, gonna exactly. know. But if you do, if you do someone who like has coded an app, yeah, you're just messing with the wrong people. Um, yeah, I could talk about this for a while. I, I find, I find magic piracy really interesting. But I, well, that's not I. I, I, there's so much you could write about it and I, it's always been on my radar and I've always been looking for a way into it because I just don't think that most people care and I think this story people cared about because there's sort of this like what would you do angle and there's like mm-hmm. a, a sort of like drama vengeance like he found out who it was he basically found out whose pro- who whose download ended up on the pirate website because basically for a trick to end up on a pirate website someone at some point needs to buy it and pirate it and put it on there. Mm-hmm. And he managed to figure out whose uh, version of the product, which customer's pro- product download ended up on the website. So he basically tracked it back to the source. Of course, there's no way of knowing if that person is the pirate or if they were hacked themselves. Or as they said, I think they said they sent it to a friend, mm-hmm. and, you know, that friend sent it to a friend who sent it to a friend who sent it to a pirate kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so that's kind of like how it worked. But I, I um, I just, I just, I, I think that piracy is a really interesting thing, especially in magic, because I think we've kind of all done it at some point, especially like, even if you're unaware of it. Like I, I know plenty of people who I've talked to, in like, I, I mean, because it's one of those things that like magic is built off stealing other people's stuff. You know what I mean? Like Houdini stole routines from other people. I think it's different now because there's like this. And not to get like too theoretical, but there's like this underlying capitalism where like the, these people are putting out these products to make a living. So now when you're stealing them, you're directly harming them because you're directly taking a sell away from them. So mm. there's well, that people eth- pirate everything. I mean, yeah, not to Movies. name names, but like there's a one particular magic brand who are very adamantly against piracy and they talk about it a lot. And there's a picture that that a founder posted on social media on their story of them watching. I think they were watching like a Nate Staniforth lecture or something, but in their pinned like bookmarks bar on their uh, mm-hmm. like, yeah. Google Chrome, there were like three different pirate websites for movies. And it's, so it's kind of this thing where it's like, I don't know. It's only, a big, it's only a big deal <laughs> when it affects us. It's only a big deal when it affects us. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I think, that's what's hard about it from my perspective is I'm constantly looking for a way to write about this without it being like, Oh, look at me. Like not, not even me, but like, how do you get someone to care about this? Because everyone pirates stuff. And you know, I, I, I'll probably get in trouble for saying that, but I think it's true. Like when I was a kid, we used to, you know, one of my highlights of going to like a car boot sale, which is, you guys don't mm. really have those over there. Or I don't know what you guys call them over there was, you know, my dad would give us some money and my brother and I would go to the, one of the guys selling the DVDs and, we used to take a little mini DVD player with us so that we could test it there and then and see if these like pirate DVDs actually yeah. worked. These and I love copies of the DVDs. I, yeah, I, I, I love movies. I go all the time now. Like the idea that it's like maybe into a bad movie guy. I, I go to the movies all the time and I love it. And it's an industry I want to work in. But it's the same with magic tricks. Like you know, the amount of times people search revealed at the end of a magic trick to try and find mm. it on YouTube or to download it. And like you said, the thing that's so crafty about this, I'm, I'm a member of this like uh secret group of magicians who fight piracy. Like I, I'm in the group 
thread basically and it's it's actually amazing some of the stuff they do there the links they go and how well it works and there is one thing that that one of them did one of them ran a really interesting experiment to work out how much like the number one pirate website for magic makes and it was like i can't remember off the top of my head i'll go back and find out it was like five thousand dollars a day this person was making Oof. and it was a really clever one I, I remember when it happened i emailed the guy and was like i'm gonna have to write about this one ahead at one point and he was like sure amazing um but yeah, it's, 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 it's hard. So I thought that was interesting because it was like, mm, people can understand how much money is, um, and then they'll care a bit more. But the thing that makes piracy really interesting for magic is that it's not a massive movie studio being affected. It's someone yeah. who's hoping to pay maybe one month's rent with a magic product. Um, and I think that's where the ethical dilemma comes from. It's, we don't feel bad if we pirate from a big movie studio, right? Like the new Spider-Man movie just dropped. I guarantee you it's already on websites, right? Mm. Um, and like the time and effort and the I amount of people. <laughs> yeah, I, I need to watch it too. Um, <laughs> the amount of the amount of people that went through the process of making that movie is like so grand. And most people would not feel bad for pirating that or watching it because we want to see it. Um, the issue comes from when you narrow that down to a single person, a person you may have respect for. A person you might have mutual friends for. Um, it's just, uh, I don't know. It's one of those things. I think every magician at some point, especially from our generation, we grew up on the internet. We all pirated at some point, right? Like that's our generation. That's the young magicians. But now there's like ethical, moral dilemmas behind it. And I mean, shout outs to William for going to the links. Yeah. Well, that's what I, we'll come on to William again in a sec, but just really quickly, I was like going to say, I have certain friends in Magic who, who it, their thing is like you're never going to f- stamp out piracy. So the, they kind of take a different approach, which is everything they release, they they only release physical items basically, so that you can't easily pirate them. It's not like a download that you can easily pirate, um, and they'll often put out the tutorial for free. So anyone who just wants to know how it's done, they can watch it for free. They won't search it out and download from a t- pirate site. Shout um, out to Jeff Price in Plain Sight Magic. Well, he isn't the one the person I'm talking about before. Before, yeah. before that's the thing. But yeah, no, he's he's great at doing that. Um, and then they also, if they did do a download, they would make it free, or they would make it like a, like a price where it, it wouldn't be worth pirating. It'd be like you know less than a fiver. Yeah. But the thing that the thing that I do think is interesting to get your teeth into is the pirate sites that look like real websites because mm-hmm. I, people who buy from those people pirate sites have no idea that they are buying a pirated download all they've done is they've gone i want to buy this caleb rally trick they've googled it they've looked mm-hmm. around eventually they found it for half the price because the thing when you think about pirating i think you think about torrenting or like getting like an illegal free download but like these people are making money and then they'll just find one where it's like okay oh, really same trick it's one quarter of the price it's five instead of yeah. 20 and they'll buy it and they'll think that they've got a deal and uh, they won't realize that they've got a pirate a pirate copy mm-hmm. and that yeah. the creator isn't getting any money for, for, the, for the trick. But also, we're, we're, these people that, like, magicians are... I always think about this with magic. It's like, if you think about the onboarding flow for becoming a magician... <laughs> like, <laughs> Woo, what a process. All, <laughs> it all starts, uh, really, at some point with you going, I want to know how that's done. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> and i think that, that can probably cultivate a culture where a lot of people are okay or happy pirating so yeah. 
that brings us back quickly before we move on to the next story to what William did, which was, I was going to say, like, would you do this? And would you confront someone? And what would you say? And, you know, what do you think? Is it like, if you found out someone was had pirated your product? Yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things where it's, I kind of am in the camp where you're never going to stop it. If big movie studios can't stop it, you sure like a, a individual can't stop it. And it sucks and it's awful. And I wish there was better solutions. But I think what it is, is, I mean, it goes back to that thing. We were a community that's so insular and we sell secrets and, we treat secrets as if they matter when I think me and you are both of the opinion secrets. They're awesome. They're cool. They're not what makes magic magic. And I just, I don't know. It's one of those things where it's, it's going to happen. We can argue about it. We can get mad about it. Um, but like it, it is, it is, it is an interesting argument for memberships. Um, yes. I, Absolutely. I just think about this. I this sounds really weird, but like I read a lot about <laughs> adult content because it tends to be like ahead uh-huh. of yeah. everything yeah. on VR or whatever. But they, they, you know, one ahead is a membership. People are paying a monthly fee to be a part of it, and the people who have got that down are these sort of adult content creator memberships, and their stuff on an individual level does get sort of pirated and uploaded to these you know adult websites where you mm-hmm. can watch them. And the thing that they do, obviously, is they always have their link somewhere on it, like yeah. watermarked. And so it kind of ends up being a little bit like advertising. They're kind of making the best out of what they can because it's not yeah. ideal, but it does end up being advertising. And then ultimately, if you like the content and the performer, eventually you do end up on their membership. And there's this feeling of like getting something as soon as it comes out and that connection mm-hmm. that you get, you know, if you look at something like Christian Grace's membership, which is not adult content, but it is like no, a Christian new manager like every, every, two, is it every two weeks? Every, anyway. uh, I think it's every month. I don't know. Okay. I, I, I'm a, I'm a member of it and I check it once a month. So, but I, th- and no, but it's I not adult that, content. Like, unfortunately, if he, uh, had those all individually i think they would get pirated a lot more um but there's this feeling of like human connection and one-to-one supporting him directly that you get from a membership is very different from like a one-time purchase of a of a of a single video um i remember saying to a magician years ago they were showing me a download and i was like honestly you could probably sell that for like a fiver but i think if you did one of those a month people would pay you like 10 a month because they it would feel you you know there's so much more involved in a membership where you, you have that kind of one-to-one connection that ongoing like monthly magic fix basically um yeah okay i think we yeah. did this story pretty well yeah absolutely um we know that you like adult content and you study them <laughs> if you don't like adult content though and you like lovely magic content you can read the full story of how william o'connell confronted his magic pirate at oneahead.com it's free to read it was a great cover story um a lot of people read it it was a good one yep um actually uh speaking of great stories that came out uh this past month uh, you had a really interesting post this month about some tv magic I did. I basically, it's called uh, How to Cast Spectators for Street Magic Filming. Um, and I guess it applies for, not even for filming, but for social media and for videos. Basically, last month I lectured, 
gave a seminar at the Young Magicians Club uh, in, at the Magic Circle, which was great. It was a really amazing experience and definitely like filled you with confidence about the future of magic. But one of the questions someone asked was, how do you cast spectators for street magic? And I just decided, well, I think that's a good question. I should answer it um, on one ahead. So it, uh, yeah, it kind of summarizes my advice on kind of three main ways be that street casting uh casting ahead of time um and you know just the different ways that you can do it basically i I can't i'm just checking it was a paid post so i can't give away too much um but yeah what did you think of the story it's really interesting um like so i've recently started taking on more consulting uh opportunities in the magic world and part of that was coming up with ideas for youtube videos and how we went about casting for those videos. Um, I guess working with you for the past year and a half, I, I kind of already knew some of those things. I think those are the things we've already talked about privately. Um, but seeing your mindset going into it and how to balance, like how to balance that, that fine line between you want the best reaction possible, but you don't want it to, you know, be over overshot essentially. Mm. Um, that was something that really, I found really interesting. It's really interesting because, like, so obviously a lot of magicians get quite upset at the idea that, that TV magicians might be casting spectators. But, you know, even if you see a, a magician like David Blaine performing for a celebrity, that still counts as casting. But anyway, mm-hmm. a lot of the times you're casting um, people because you're in a remote location. There's no footfall. You know, I, yep. I've done a lot of shoots where we're in the middle of nowhere. So the only way we would perform for anyone is if we brought people along and um, sometimes you don't have much time somewhere because you're paying per the hour to be in a mall or that kind of thing um sometimes I, I didn't write about in this post but in a previous post it's a diversity issue so sometimes you want to show a really diverse range of people um on the show so the best way to do that is by casting yeah. um yeah there's there's loads of sort of different reasons i think there are a few things that i really liked uh that I really sort of came back to uh, when I was writing this, which is like, well, what actually is a good uh, spectator for TV? Because it is one of those things. And it's funny because I was thinking about how, you know, when I was, sometimes when I sort of justify the idea of casting a spectator for TV, you go through these motions of like, well, because they're not the, the, the person like the target audience, the target mm. audience is the person at home watching on their couch. So it's yeah. important the person there gives a good reaction that's big enough to transfer to the audience at home. But they're also that person feels uh, genuine, that they feel trustworthy um, and relatable because these are all feelings that make you feel like you're there, but also make you feel like you trust the magic is happening the way that it, it was, you know, it, it, that's kind of part of it as well. Um, but it's funny because I was thinking about this and I was like, everything I'm saying is the same way that some of these like social media guys today uh, justify using <laughs> stooges. <laughs> I was like, yeah, so uh, clearly I have a, clearly I have a line somewhere, but it's interesting that like, yeah. I was like, Oh, all the, all the reasons that I'm like, it's okay to cast people who mm-hmm. you think will be good reactions. Um, are the exact reason why these like social media people are like this is why i have my friend pretend to react to the trick <laughs> yeah like my favorite is like when they do the wow gimmick and the spectator is standing behind them and then the card changes and they freak out i'm like you didn't even see the card uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh well, you know what though i've i have i've seen that in real life and 
Yes, the clip you're talking about was definitely faked. But I've seen it it's in still real hilarious. life. I've seen it in real life where they've asked a spectator to react to the video. Mm-hmm. Or what's what's even better than that is if you ask the spectator to be the person holding the camera and videoing, which makes sense because yes. it frees up both of your hands. They then tend to watch through the screen anyway because they're looking at the mirrored reflection. So then naturally their reaction is genuine. Uh, it, it's it's like an interesting one. Obviously the, the version you're talking about is... Uh, is is a terrible terrible funny terrible it's example. funny it's funny i laugh at it like <laughs> um, but yeah in the in the article i wrote i basically said like the dream spectator is someone from gogglebox which is a uk show that is huge i don't know if it's a show that i think there was like a no version i had to of it google it i had to google it so you have a version in the uk in the us but where celebrity with celebrities because i know the guy who invented like the the apple watch the co-founder of apple he was on it that's how hmm. I know about it, um, and uh, no, and I also know about it because they reacted to something from Wilman's Magic for Humans. So I remember being sent it, and, uh, okay. and that was kind of an exciting thing. Um, but yeah, so those are people who are basically filmed on their couch reacting to TV. It's like a cult thing in the UK. It's like people love that it, is... but um, basically, yeah, I'm like, I, okay, they just need I, to be yeah. present, engaged, and entertaining, and relatable. Um, but yeah, they're not nec- not necessarily people who love magic. Yeah, like, and that was what I was going to get at. Like, for me, what the like, what makes that article so worth reading, and like, why you should pay the membership fee that we have here, so you can read the article, is because you can even take those same lessons and apply them to how you present magic professionally. If you're going to shoot like, like some promotional footage, right? Like, you want to do some yeah. promotional footage, and you want it to be kind of and you have the money, you have the time, you have the resources to do it. Like there's a lot of great lessons in there that maybe you're not recording a TV special, but if you want to do a really cool Instagram reel where you're out and performing, like there is some great like information in there and you can read the, the, there's just real quick. There's an overlap here with performing live because when you work on TV shows, a lot of the time they'll want, a magic consultant to do the casting if you are street casting so casting on like on the street mm. and the reason that is is because a lot of magicians or a lot of good ma- magic consultants they know how to approach a group and they can tell who in a group is going to give the best reaction which is important because if you are working at a wedding or at a close-up event knowing who to perform magic for because it's the same thing yeah. right like even if you're if there's no tv screen there if only one person is experiencing the magic firsthand in a group of like eight people you kind of have to like make sure you pick the right person basically um, yeah but yes i'll let you continue <laughs> what i was going to say is uh because once again once again you just drop dropping great knowledge on people. Uh, you can read the entire story and get all the juicy details because they are some fantastic pieces of advice. Uh, you can read it all at onehead.com. Uh, just make sure you don't pirate it and you actually pay the fee. Thank you. <laughs> I will. I will track you down. Um, so the next two stories had you a bit excited, right? Yeah. Uh, so not only do we get a new TV show from the one and only Dynamo, uh, we also get a book from Darren Brown for magicians. <laughs> you just like our accents. That's what it is. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's why I'm watching Ted Lasso later today. Um. Oh God, I, you are obsessed with that show. Um. Why do you always start shows when they end? It's like the last episode just aired last weekend. Well, anyway, because I don't um, have to wait for the new season. Like, if you just wait till the show's over, you can binge it all at once. It's a genius strategy. I can only assume that you're going to be buying Darren Brown's new book from Magicians. Yes. Uh. I. Uh, so here's what we know 
we know who it's being produced by. Uh, the guys over at Neat Review. Yeah. Well, I'm saying it's the guys over at Neat Review because it looks like all their other books and they're the only ones who commented. And I know he has a relationship with them over <laughs> there. Like, <laughs> like we I'm don't like know. Reading the post that uh, Roman wrote for us about this, and I'm like, I didn't see this in here. Like, <laughs> we don't know. But like, I'm a Darren Brown super fan, so I know. Um, yeah, but I'm sure, it, he did the cover for sure. Yeah, no, I mean the aesthetics of it look exactly like what they produce, and because I because I have a good solid hint of who's helping produce it, I just know the book in your hands is going to feel amazing. And it's probably How big amazing. It? I don't know. Like from the picture, it looked like fairly substantial. Um, well, and the, the picture looks completely different to maybe it's because it doesn't have a wraparound. I saw a picture of it the other day that looks completely different to the picture he tweeted out. Um, but uh, maybe it's maybe that was like a manuscript or something. Anyway, who knows? Yeah. He's doing a live event at the Magic Circle with uh, the magicians podcast a live recording where everyone who goes gets a copy of the book um i can tell you right now i know this book's going to sell out because when roman wrote this news article he writes news for us every friday that day we hadn't emailed out we hadn't posted about on social media it got 1.1 thousand reads yeah (laughs) yeah it was one of those things he he posted it on instagram and i think i texted you like five minutes later and you already knew about it so, like, how yeah. fast this traveled was, like, just insane. Now, I do I mean, just... I think yes and no, though, because I think Darren's one of those weird ones where whenever we write news about Darren, it gets a lot of reads. And I, I think a lot of people who are fans of Darren Brown don't actually follow him. Do, do you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. one of those people where it's like... I think a lot of magicians like want to see the new things that he's doing, but they're not like keeping up with them on like a weekly basis. So like news like this travels fans, what well, they get it? But I don't think people heard about this from Darren's tweet. I think they heard about it from other places. Um, but it's his first book in a long time. That's just for magicians and mentalists. I think his last one was like in 2002. Um, my timeline might be skewed, but I think it was like absolute magic. And then it was pure effect before then. So like this will be his third book just for us. Hmm. Well, let me know uh, when you finish uploading the PDF version, and I'll I'll download yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll I'll finish uploading that once I get done uploading the uh, <laughs> the, the Dynamo specials that are going to come out. Because um, it's one of those things I did not grow up as a Dynamo fan. <laughs> I, I didn't hear about Dynamo until I was like twenty years old. So like it was kind of late in the game when I first found out about Dynamo and I went back, I've watched the specials, especially knowing who helped, you know, produce some of the magic uh, that kind of gets me excited. But like Dynamo is an absolute legend. Like some of the stuff that he puts on TV and the effects that he does are spectacular and they are so creative. So like knowing that he has a new TV show out too, every magician should be excited about that because it's, I don't know. The UK scene of magic just got a lot more exciting for me. Yeah. I've signed a non-disclosure agreement, so I can't talk about this. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> so that's why I got the story. Um, okay. Nice. But I do find, but I do find it fascinating how, you know, there was a big opportunity for very many years for someone to kind of take Dynamo's place as like the world famous magician i think americans don't realize as well just how globally famous dynamo is um, we have no clue because you gotta think, think our guy is david blaine like our guy is david blaine and I we would, refuse to move on 
I would suggest that outside of the US, Dynamo is more famous than David Blaine. I, 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 I think that might be the case, but there's no way of knowing. All I know is that like when a Blaine special comes in the UK, not many people know about it apart from the magicians, but Dynamo, mm. like he airs, I think it was like when I was working with him back in the day, it was like 180 territories his show was on. Um, you know, he's That's toured, insane. he's toured in the UK, but he's also toured in Australia and, you know, other countries. Um, he's just kind of like a bit of a global phenomenon. I remember when Beyonce was on the cover of, uh, every Pepsi can in, in, in and in, in like uk or maybe europe or whatever and then dynamo was on it next that's like that's the level of fame that's the level of fame he was but i think it's fascinating that like no one's been able to do it and i think it's a testament to d because i think you know he makes very compelling tv but i think the thing that's so amazing about him is that he gets it commissioned like mm-hmm. that's the thing that i think is like fascinating because really that's what's amazing about these shows is the fact that someone made them and yeah. probably lost a lot of money on them. Like th- these are really expensive, insanely big shows. And the reason why he does so amazingly is because no one's ever going to be at that level in terms of like a show, like the shows that he does with these, you know, every one of his shows ends with these huge, big stunts. He's traveling the world. He's got huge celebrities in them. And they're serious. They're not specials. It's not a one-hour yeah. special every few years. Like this is like a six. Uh, I think a six might be more episodes. Not this one, but in the past. Mm. Once again, I don't know anything about this one. So anything I'm saying, just pretend it's got nothing to do with this one. But in the past, you know, these are big, long series that take a long time to make, and a lot of consultants and a lot of directors. Well, actually, one director, but a lot of like uh, direction. Um, and you know they you know they spend a lot of money on music and stuff like that was the thing that always shocked me when I worked with them was just the fact that they would they would spend thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds because they've got they think this is the, this is the perfect song for this trick on on the show and it, you know it's that kind of like attention to detail and thinking about the bigger story that really makes D as sort of big as he is but yeah he's coming back to our screens that's the news you can read the full article at one ahead and it's written by someone else so i won't get in trouble for that um yeah but in the middle of that post the one about dynamo well not in the middle but right at the end there's also uh full us is coming back but with a new host yes uh yeah uh and that's gonna be interesting because i know allison hannigan has been the host for since it came over to america and yeah, Jonathan Ross did the first season when he went to America. Yeah, I don't think his accent pulled very well. Um, I think he just stewarded the ship and was like, <laughs> I'll help you launch over there. And then he was like, I like Vegas, but not enough to be there. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? We can both have our theories on why he left. Uh, but uh, Brooke Burke, uh, she'll be uh, taking the reins of that show. Uh, once again, that news was once again broken on OneHead.com by the lovely Roman Armstrong. What do you think about the new host? It's the kind of story that I'm like, oh, I kind of want to know what went on there because I, because I don't know. I'm happy. You can only see so many poster. card tricks until you want to like, you know, leave. Uh. So that's my, so, so do you think, because I, I, it doesn't strike me as a, as a, like, uh, as a, she wasn't holding the show back. It doesn't seem like a, just a weird, it feels like a weird decision for them to make. My sort of mini theory on it is that, 
Penn and the Foolless team were like, we want to pay less for a host. I think that when you look at the viewing figures and every year it gets lower and lower and mm-hmm. lower and it basically just becomes a lost leader marketing uh, marketing thing for the, for the Penn and Teller show. Yeah. I, that's my theory on it. My theory is either she was like, I've done this for like 13 years and I don't want to go to Vegas anymore. Or they were like, we just don't have the budget to pay you the same amount of money, we're going to pay someone less or something. I, I don't know. What do you think? I mean, it's such a stupid thing to speculate over, and it's not so, even like manager related. But it's the kind of thing and, where I'm like, oh, I just want to know. <laughs> <laughs> and if Allison Hannigan wants to listen to this podcast and correct me, she is more than welcome to. <laughs> I think it was, I mean, realistically, it's probably to do with, hey, like the CW only has so much to budget for this show, and why give it to someone who you know, has a probably a high fee because like she was on one of the hit TV shows in America. She's been on some of the hit movies here in America. Um, But I think my heart tells me you can only see so many card tricks that are any cards at any numbers until you just give up. And you're saying that number is 565. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think so. I think it's like 563. And then like the last two, she was just phoning it in. So I, 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 I hear that. Penn and Teller have the most wild time every year because when they signed on to the show originally part of their contract was that they would do an original trick at the end of every episode and I'm sure when they signed that they never expected it to go on for 13 years Um, and so it's kind of amazing they haven't run out of tricks Um, the other thing I was going to say is if you are listening to this and you've ever wanted to go on Full List there's never been a better time to apply to go on Full List they are literally begging people to apply you just go to their Instagram and it's it's like full last casting at gmail.com their their emails in their bio and i know a lot of people who have who are applying and, and getting doing quite well just have a great video you know and be open to it yep absolutely uh so if you are going to apply to fool us uh, don't expect to see allison hannigan though that is the moral of this particular story Damn, why would anyone apply anymore the, the, yeah, the, i don't I, know there's one time at band camp <laughs> <laughs> so as the resident american uh, you put me on to a news story, and uh, it took me uh, a couple of weeks to finish it up. Um, but it was about America's favorite pastime. Didn't you um, have a different title uh, for this article after you wrote it? Yeah, you kind of made me change it, but it was uh, How Magicians Killed Baseball in My Relationship. Um, <laughs> which, <laughs> uh, Yeah, so I mean, essentially the story is about how the American game of baseball ha- has in recent years, uh, since 2019, underwent huge changes. Um, and one of those biggest changes came from the world of magic. Um, and especially from the guys over at Pro Mystic, they, uh, they basically took a magic trick and put it in a hat and was like, now you can know what someone's going to throw to you without them having to do finger tutting so you can see it. Um, and there's like, and the reason why I was like, why we killed baseball is I talked to a girl who I used to date in college and she's a huge baseball fan. I just, I just, I don't watch baseball. I wanted to get her take on it. And she was like, yeah, you guys killed baseball. Um, and that seems to be the opinion of uh, a few different sports writers. As I was researching this story, I did have to cut a lot of that out to kind of make it more digestible for our audience. Um, but yeah, it's, a. Uh, it's really amazing how magic took a 200 year old game and just changed it forever with something that 
I don't know about you, but I've consulted on theater shows and I've used the same technology to fool people. It's 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 a weird one. Let, I'm going to quickly talk about the backstory of how of this story itself, like me asking you to write about it. But I, but I think the thing that's so engaging and interesting about the story itself is, first of all, it's magic being applied to something every day and also on like a global scale. Not on, mm-hmm. you know, like on a big stage. But I think the thing that amazes me the most about the story is that magicians aren't pissed off about it, which is weird because I kind of thought they should be. <laughs> and then also baseball <laughs> players and baseball fans for the most part are not pissed off about it which feels no. even more like they should be and that's kind of what was bizarre about it but i caught wind of the story like towards the end of last year and the story basically was those promistic guys who make these amazing uh, mentalism products that like tech products for mentalists you mm-hmm. know um that are very expensive they uh they're doing something in baseball now and you know apparently they're making lots of money and and it's you know they're doing really well from it and i was thinking oh, that's interesting that's good for them because a lot of their products have in the last few years annoyingly for them have been released on kickstarter as like non-magic products completely unrelated just you know yeah and i remember thinking oh god that's gotta have hurt their business and they seem like good guys so it's good they found like a way to pivot and then this year they weren't at blackpool magic convention hmm. and i remember thinking well, holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) These guys make a lot of money at Blackpool every year. Like they are selling, you know, I I can't remember the exact prices, but, but products uh, that cost thousands of dollars, pads and wallets and dice and pens and stuff that, that cost thousands of dollars. And I've watched them sell hundreds of these every year at Blackpool. And I thought to myself, these guys are probably making millions from this baseball <laughs> thing that I um, someone told me about because they're not here. <laughs> so, so at that point, I was like, okay, I need to Google this. And then after some Googling, I was like, Nathan, you're going to need to write about this because you're American and I don't understand baseball or any of this. And I still don't fully understand it. But the gist of it is that uh, in baseball, one player would sign to another player how to throw the ball. Yes, throw is that the right would you say throw it's not a, pitch. Not a technical term for pitch. throwing pitch, pitch. I, I knew there yeah. was a thing they would pitch the ball and there was this thing called sign stealing where teams would figure out another uh team's uh, signs that they were doing mm-hmm. with their hand signals and then they would signal themselves to their team to tell everyone so that there was every, so yeah. their team would know how they're about to pitch and they would do this with what what was quite an ingenious method can you tell us how they how they would tell yeah so the main catalyst behind this was the astros in the 2017 season uh they had a hard camera uh placed directly at the crotch of the opposite team's uh catcher who would do the signs i just can't believe that's legal like i can't it's not it's not that's the issue it's uh it, it uh it's not so what they would do is they would steal the signs now there's 13 different types of pitches I did not know that until I started researching the story that a, that a pitcher can throw. <laughs> and, like like there are 11 types of magic tricks or whatever. <laughs> yes. No, like, uh, so one head has taken a hard turn to sports now. So, uh, no more magic for us. Just, we're going to go over every pitch. Um, and they, but they don't need to know the exact pitch that's coming down the line. They just need to know if it's going to be a fastball, which is right down the middle, or they need to know if it's a changeup, which is going to come different. And they would beat a trash can on like in their dugout <laughs> they would hit it to let them know a change-up's coming and the reason why this is so important is it wasn't so much for the 
the hitter to know. It was for the people who are already on base. So, like, if they know a ball, like, if you throw a curveball versus a fastball, a curveball is going to go slower. So as soon as that ball leaves that hand, you can still a base. You can go from first base to second base. And, like, that was, like, one of the main things that the Astros kind of got caught doing. So Yeah, a couple years later, right? So they kind of yeah. did really well, and then a few years later, it all came out. Um, yes. And there was there were, was a particular magician who was paying attention to this news. Yes, and so he was friends with, uh, I mean, he's a patent lawyer. He has a degree in, uh, in uh, electrical engineering, and he saw it, and he got with uh, Craig over at Pro Mystic, and he was like, hey, uh, I think we have the solution. And the solution is a gimmick that I'm familiar with uh, called Inception. Um, and without spoiling the details of that, although, like, you know, it's now being openly talked about, so I guess there is no revealing the secret. Um, it's difficult, though, because, like, they haven't necessarily drawn the comparisons. It's kind of hard, because we kind of are. The magician yeah. was John ha- John Hankins, just, yes. he deserves to have his Oh, name I forgot to mention John. Okay, yes. Um, yeah, John, but yeah, so John's basically the they yeah. they repurposed a promistic device that allows you to hear voices in your head. Is that correct? Yes. So, and that's what a lot of people who, when I was talking to people outside the magic realm, and we were talking about this, they thought it was just a like essentially a thumping device. They're like, yeah, it, it vibrates in your wrist. I was like, no, like you hear the voice. They're like, no, you don't. I was like, you hear the voice. Like, read these articles from ESPN and all this. Um, so why why did they do that and not do a thumping to, like? And why didn't they just have headphones in? Do you understand what was the yeah, reason no, I, behind that? I, I honestly, I think it it might be easier to transmit, like, because you gotta think when you're in the middle of a game, you're really not trying to decipher. Okay, four four vibrates means this, right? You don't have to count that. Yeah. Versus just hearing and, in your are head. Allowed, are they allowed to have like a? I guess the if they had. Okay, so I guess if they just had like an Apple Watch that sh- that showed it, someone might be able to see that. So that's a yep. problem. Yeah. So they were basically, and they if they had headphones in, then someone, it might impact their ability to play the game and hear other yeah. things that are going on. Absolutely. So basically, they built this thing into their hat that allows them to hear, hey, sexy. It's not so much the hat. The like, next I mean, pitch you, is going to be the in the hat. You can wear it. Yeah. And, and like the craziest thing, and this is the part that I know for the magicians who don't watch baseball, like this is not going to make a lot of sense. But historically, it's always been the catcher that tells the pitcher what to pitch. Um, and now for the first time you're seeing pitchers call their own pitches because now they have mm. a two way communication device essentially. So now you have pitchers going, okay, I'm throwing a curveball, get ready. Um, and it's really just fascinating. I and wish like, I knew how important that was to the game of baseball. <laughs> well, unfortunately, like it's super important. And like it, it's, uh, it's just fascinating on that level because, now there's talks about having the entire outfield, the people who are supposed to be like, after you hit the ball, they're the ones scrambling to catch the ball and throw it to first base or wherever you're going. And there's talks about that team, the outfielders, also having this device so they know what their pitcher's also throwing. And that's where, when I was talking to this girl who I used to date, she got really mad because she's like, you're ruining the game. Uh, and I was like, I'm not doing anything. I'm just a magician. Uh, and she's like, you guys are killing the game of baseball. Because at that point, it's... It goes from being able to read the field and like see what's you know what I mean, being able to read the situation versus knowing the situation as you step into it. If that makes sense, so like there's less. It's really interesting, and it, it, this kind of stuff exists on all sports, but I don't think I've ever seen anything quite so like brazen in terms of the way the text being used. Like in the UK, 
with football, you guys call soccer, like we'll heavily, heavily analyze the history of penalty kicks. Mm-hmm. So when a penalty is being taken by a certain player, the goalie has been briefed on which way to dive based yeah. on statistical evidence. In fact, a, a goalkeeper not long ago had it all written down on this, like a water bottle, each player and which way to, to dive, basically. Nice. They also, a lot of them wear tech now that measures where they're running and what they're doing and, and uh, the, the ball. This like the, Most tech is about in, enhancing their sport, not necessarily kind of like cheating. Like There's a lot of tech, like in the ball this last time at the World Cup, they were they had like lots of tech inside the ball that meant they could tell how fast it was being kicked, but also like if you're offside because they can tell when the, mm. exactly the ball was kicked and they have like technology that makes it easy to referee so they can like replay stuff and you know, all that kind of stuff. But this is kind of like bizarre and crazy. What So I so okay, so it sounds like baseball fans are kind of split. What I would mm. say is very strange is that all magicians are very supportive of this. None of them seem to be upset about it at all. Um, and I don't know why I expected them to be upset, but I I did. I really expected when we put this story out that there would be some backlash from magicians who would be like, "It's kind of annoying that this tech we spend a lot of money on mm. is now being sold to everyone." And I, and I kind of touched on that at the end of my article. And it, once again, this is like pure speculation. Um, but magicians have a knack of wanting to be involved in history in some shape or form, right? Um, the first film editor was a magician, right? Um, Robert Houdin kept up colonialism by doing a magic trick. Um, there was a magician who claimed that he helped the war effort through all this stuff, and we later found out it was pretty exaggerated. But magicians very much want to be part of the conversation. And mm. for me, and this is just speculation, um, the fact that we can now say, hey, we changed this sport forever, like the American pastime, we changed it. Um, it's not so much a notch in our belt, but it's confirmation that what we do matters outside of just going to see entertainment. Um, mm. Which is why I open up the article talking about how magic is a essentially a mindset of coming up with clever solutions for impossible problems. Like, that's how I view magic. And you have this impossible problem of you need two people to be able to read each other's minds. Well, there's no better place to go than pro mystic. Like, you know what I mean? So, uh, I think magicians kind of understand that, that. Yeah. And I just say that conversation. I don't think magicians should be annoyed at this. Like I was expecting backlash. It doesn't mean I think that they should be backlash. I think if pro mystic had started selling dice, for board game players that can tell you straight away which number was rolled that would be a problem because i think that if people see that dice it might make it less falling when you roll yeah. ask them to roll a dice and you can tell them what number you're thinking of that might be a problem but i think that anyone who's seeing this even if they know it was invented by a magician i think that if you then do the trick that promistic sell I don't think if you do it well, people won't mm-hmm. see the correlation or put two and two together because it's it's very different in terms of presentational and props. Um, and so it, goes back to, it also reason. goes back to this. I don't think a lot of people know how like baseball fans and I think the gen, the general public doesn't understand exactly what the technology is. Cause like I had these conversations with lay people and oh, they're and like, they, yeah, thought it was a thumper. they thought it was a thumper, which mm. I mean, Speaking of adult entertainment, if you ever want to know how to get a thumper on the cheap, uh, go to a sex shop. Um, Dude, I, 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 I think I wrote about this once. Almost every TV show I've ever worked on has ended up 
sending a runner to go to a sex shop and buy something like from dental down <laughs> to pumps to remote control vibrations to dolls like um, in the best in the best part of it it had nothing stories. to do with yeah it has nothing to do with the tv show it's just that you're a freak uh, <laughs> you just flex the tv show it's just the amount of times so you need something and you go well where can we get this today and you go, well, you know, I know somewhere we can get this today and yeah. repurpose it. Uh, you know, so, these, even like, uh, I was one show <laughs> where we needed, we needed a, like a suction device, but like a small, like, and it ended up being like these nipple sucker things that we got <laughs> the same day. And we would never have been able to find something like that the same day, but it, it worked perfectly. Magic, um, baseball, and have so many. Um, anyway, if you want to read the full story. <laughs> If you want to read the full story, Nathan did a really good job at it, so you should read it. It's at oneahead.com, and it's free to read. It's a baseball story, how magicians changed baseball forever. Um, it's time for the last last story of the month. Are you ready? You ready? I am. I am ready. Um, it's from Luke Osland, and it's why we need to be posting more on social media. Um, yeah. Which is funny that we're talking about it, considering we're kind of notorious for, you know, not posting um i think i think you might be right i also think that luke might have written it because he had a kickstarter last month for his uh book about social media magic tricks. yes yes it's i mean it's very much a plug for it uh but it's also a really good article it's like it, it like luke did a really good job with it um even though it just plugs his kickstarter for uh the second volume of his book um which don't yeah, pirate it, it please uh, <laughs> I redownloaded Facebook the other week and Ugh. it's weird to see how many really? magicians are posting magic tricks on Facebook who are the magicians not long ago that would rant about magicians posting on social media. It's kind of bizarre to look back now and think about the amount of people who were so anti social media videos, mm. you know, magic takes place in real life, all this kind of stuff. Like it's kind of a thing of the past now, that mentality yeah, and like, I'm, I, it goes back to kind of what Luke was saying. It's ultimately you posting online is about getting that social proof, so someone can like, oh, I want to have this guy at my party. I want to hire this guy. Um, I want to go see this guy's show, and you're building essentially a brand, right? You're you're building a brand using social media. I mean, I, I know that sounds like redundant because that's what social media is, but like. You're absolutely right. I've seen people post videos of like super visual magic and I'm like I've I've seen this person in real life and they they don't do super visual magic. Um so maybe there's some congruency problems with some people, but at the same time like Luke's absolutely right. Uh like if you want bookings, if you want to like succeed in the realm of being a performer, you kind of have to post. I think I I disagree. I think you can go one way. I think you have to go one way or the other. You have to pick a lane. You either have to be someone who's like got videos and has that social proof that people want when they're looking to book a magician or you go the opposite way and you just become this like person of mystery and you have this very cool mysterious website and you don't post much online but you have social proof in other ways in the forms of mm -hmm. perhaps photos or quotes or you know that kind of thing like yeah you know I think about someone like Dan White when I th or, or mm -hmm. even kind of chamber magic and stuff where it's like if you go to Dan, I guess there's a great video on Dan White's website for his show, but I, I don't know. I just think that you can go one way or the other, you know, like I think of people like Azzy Wind or Dan White and, and there are people, you know, like 
Doug McKenzie and stuff that aren't going rate the magic trick on social media. <laughs> like I just I think there's kind of like you yeah. go one way or the other basically, and you kind of have to pick a lane. It's hard to do both. Yeah, um, but I think you can but, throw but that. People needle. need a video. My God, people need people. It, you, I don't know anyone who's bu- uh, booking. You know, I, I built this site called bookamagician.com that I'm still working on at the minute and I'll probably do like a big launch of it soon, but you know, it's, it's bubbling along and I think right now it's number three in the U S for searches for book a magician. But the one thing that's really interesting is early on, I was like, oh, I'm just going to add a bunch of magicians who I like on there or just random mm-hmm. magicians. And what's wild is how many magicians don't have things on their website that you want to see <laughs> when you're booking yeah. them. Like the amount of people who don't have good photos, and it just seems weird. Like, I don't understand. Like, if you're a good magician, the cost of a good photo should be the same as the cost of one gig. And surely that's worth it to you to like do one gig and know that that's paying for you to have good photos for your well, website. You, anyway, you can't pirate photos. That's even the where issue. they are. Doesn't even, <laughs> the amount of magicians on their website didn't even say where they're based. I, I think they do it because they think, well, you have to. Yeah. Hopefully, people will. No, I think people think, well, if I don't put where I am, then they'll have to contact me to ask, and then I'll be able to tell them that I can fly anywhere or whatever, and maybe they'll travel. No, no, no. Here's what happens. And I know this because I worked on TV shows where we've had to look for magicians for TV shows. The casting producer will go on your website, they'll look around to try and work out where the fuck you are in the world. They'll be like, I don't know where they are. I don't know if they're in the UK or where they are in the UK, or maybe I don't know if like if they're in Europe. And then they'll go, all right, I'll look for someone else. Like they're not going to contact you yeah. and find out. Like the people who are happy flying you out will message you when they see you're not in their area. <laughs> like, yes. And they'll go, oh, he looks good, but he's based in Edinburgh and I'm in London. Maybe he'll cut, travel down. I'll contact him anyway. Um, the people who are wanting someone and want to know where you are they're not going to contact you they're going to keep googling till they find someone who's anyway going yeah, back no, to the social media thing yeah and i mean yes. it, it's and i think in terms of supposing social media the main trick is just consistency yeah and i and luke kind of talks about that it, it just like because you're building that virtual audience and to go out to uh, a little fun story, a little side, a little side quest we can venture onto. I, I'm friends with a pretty popular performer, um, and my favorite thing in the world is he was contacted on his social media, and they flew him out to Ibiza to hang out on a yacht, and he did no magic tricks. So why did he do no magic tricks? They didn't. Add, they just wanted him there. They didn't want him to perform. Like they paid him to hang out and like be a cool dude. So. But Is this he guy, a sugar baby, <laughs> you know what? It would not surprise me at this point. Uh, but like that happened to him, and partially the reason why was because he had such a large social following, and he's like relatively mm. known in that part of the world as a performer. And like, it's amazing what a little bit of social proof can do for you and open up the doors for you. So. Um, yeah, yeah it's... I definitely agree with Dan Rhodes about content being currency. And I also like having met, you know, I've worked with a lot of these social media guys, including Dan Rhodes actually. And the money they pull in is ridiculous. I remember, you know, I remember having a conversation with a magician. It might have been at the Magic Circle. So it was somewhere in London like that. And they were like, oh, these social media guys, well, they don't realize there was like, you know, no one's going to buy a ticket to their show or or book them for a gig just because they've got <laughs> a big following. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of looking at them and I'm thinking, 
I mean, yeah, but they're also like traveling the world. They're on a yacht and they're making like between thirty and sixty thousand dollars per post. <laughs> like, I yeah. Think, so I mean, it's. I don't think they care, and I also think they they're doing this because that's not what they want to do. What Luke does is really interesting because Luke is basically making a name for himself in like the comedy circuit and he's mm-hmm. doing like stand-up comedy and so what he's doing which is great is he's basically just following the same format lots of comedians are using which is film all of your shows and chop it up and cut it up and make it into reels and it, it works it really mm-hmm. works and i i see comedians all the time through that method and there are comedians i like and uh, like now because i've seen their reels in that way so i don't know it's 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 it becomes like uh it's kind of like in that world it's kind of like uh, factory you know yeah so there's like a machine making the content same as pete Furman, who's doing unbelievably well oh, on social dude. media dude he's killing it <laughs> and like and yeah. he's not doing right this magic trick uh like i mean exactly. he, he, it's i think there's as many ways as there is to perform magic there's that many ways to do social media magic like here's yeah. here's a piece of advice uh because i've worked with a couple of social media guys um stop filming in your room go outside mm. Go to a park, uh, like Pete, if you're Pete Furman destroys that though. I gotta tell you, yeah, like, no, he I, does. No, Pete does, but I think that's because it's Pete. His <laughs> personality is so good. No, my advice all the time is like go somewhere interesting. Like if you're doing a trick with candy, go to a candy shop. Like that kind of stuff's really interesting. Yeah. And obviously, there's all the obvious stuff like shoot vertically. When I see magicians still shooting any other way, I I just can't understand yeah. it. Um, the first three seconds are the most important things. That's why if you ever watch one of those like Justin Flom videos, it always starts with him like pulling his shoe out of gum or like almost spray painting something or smashing a wall. You have those first three seconds where you go, wait, what's going on here? And you can make that work with magic pretty easily. Magic's kind of great for that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, the other thing as well, when, when I think about like local magicians who just want to be famous locally, I think... The social media stuff is good, but I think that the thing that you should focus on is getting onto local social media pages. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're trying to just perform locally, you should focus on local restaurants, local theaters, local bars, and try and do collaborations with them. Like, do it for free, man. Just contact like a really big restaurant or a mm-hmm. bar or a nightclub in your area and say, hey, look. I'd love to collab. Let me come in and I'll I'll film yeah. 10 magic tricks using things at your bar and you can post them and just do it for free. Because yeah. then and they will of course they will say yes to do that. Do you have much money they would have to pay someone else to do that? Yeah. And, and especially if you're suddenly you in a in an uh, account that's local to your area and has lots of people who are following it who are a good overlap people who are going to this nightclub theater venue. Mm-hmm who might want to see magic suddenly they're exposed to you and i think it's really interesting i don't see many magicians doing this most magicians think about it on like a global scale like how do i become a megastar on social media and no one's really looked at it and gone okay i want to become the most famous magician in my city and the way i'm going to do it is by contacting these 10 bars nightclubs restaurants theaters and getting all of them to post a video of me doing a magic trick in their location and it would work it would work yeah because like exposure like I, I used to always tell people, like, don't ever perform for just exposure. Like, you need to be paid money. But now, in the like, as as big as I've seen some people get, like, who, like, let's, like, there's some people who are internet famous who 20 years ago would never have been famous, right? They're only famous because now we have such niche audiences. You know what? If you've got someone who has a big following and they're like, hey, yeah. uh, come do a magic trick at this bar I'm at, 
and you go out over there and you perform like the simple fact that someone tags you in something on an Instagram story that can like be life changing at this point of human history. Like think about how many people have quit their day jobs from TikTok. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, uh, the exposure thing's really interesting to me. I definitely am a big believer in paying people as part of the reason why I want ahead to grow so slowly. But I, I think people get really pissed off at when people are like, do it for exposure or, or we're paying you an exposure. It's because yeah. 90% of the time there isn't actually exposure. They're yeah. Just, they just don't want to pay you or they don't have the money. But I think that in cases where there's genuine exposure, like take it with both hands, like, um, especially also if you're going after it you know i i live i'm uh, i'm one of those like wanky digital nomads but i have <laughs> friends who travel the world and they get everything for free because like a, a photographer last week i was in marrakesh for a month and one of the guys there was a photographer and he was staying for free because he was taking pictures of the place for them like it, that's it, insane you know, there, use yeah. it man do it because what's the you know what would you have done otherwise a lot, a lot of the times the deal is better. You know, they probably wouldn't have paid him the amount of money it would have cost for him to live there, but mm-hmm. because it's costing them less because they're giving it anyway. Anyway, you know what to do. Um, the full story is at oneahead.com. I promise it's a lot better than Nathan and I rambling on. It's some like real actionable advice and, and thoughts uh, on why, you know, everyone should be posting on social media or at least considering posting on social media. Um, even if you're just a local magician with no aspirations of becoming the next Julius Dean. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Julius. Uh- <laughs> dude we did it did did i sound unwell the whole time you did (laughs) (laughs) you know what like your enthusiasm wasn't there but your knowledge asap oh my god well hopefully next month i'll be i'll be better or you have to do the readout we still have to do the readout well that's on you man this is all on you good luck well i'll do my bit i I see the (laughs) how come in the i broke in the, it i've, I've the, broken up the two sections baby you have to do in, it this podcast was written months. no shut up shut up in the four months since we did this together you've managed to take your uh readout and divide it so i have to do half of it as well all right go on, yeah shut up we're doing it okay three two one this podcast was written and produced and hosted by rory adams and nathan wilson that's me all the stories can be read in full at oneahead.com be sure to comment on upcoming stories to get featured in the podcast next month, just like we did. Not do today, but we will next time. <laughs> You're unwell. We forgot. <laughs> uh, we'll read the comments next time. All right. Uh, love you, mate. Love everyone who's listening. Love you too. I'm going to go lie down for the next four days. Don't pirate stuff. <laughs> <laughs>